The following podcast has adult themes, sexual content, and strong language, mostly because I have a potty mouth. Hi, I'm Adam, and this is Where Is My Nigerian Prince? Each week, I tell the tale of my search for love, the highs, the lows, the utter embarrassments, and the hopefully funny side of single life today. I also fully intend to rope in some friends to tell their stories along the way, and maybe, together, we can soothe the dating wounds of the entire world. Episode 3. Defraud Me, My Australian Prince. It's fair to say that last week was a little rough. So this week, I thought I'd tell about one of the funnier relationships I've had. His name was Mark, and Mark was very Australian. Which was to be expected, given I had been living in Sydney for a year, and had met him one night in a club. Flinders, it was called, and I was drunk, which was unusual for me as I had a minimum wage job, so drinking was usually out of my price range. Here I was, the ripe old age of 20, For the first time in my life, I was out, and my friends knew I was gay, and they loved me, nonetheless, and I loved them. For all intents and purposes, life was good, but I was single and a bit lonely. So on this particular night, when I was dancing and a cute boy started flirting with me, it was basically inevitable that kisses and cuddles and dirty things would happen. So as we drunkenly stumbled towards my place, which was considerably closer than his, we continued to laugh about nothing, as you do when you're drunk, and we held hands with no fear. Something you don't usually do in the 90s in Sydney. I mean, Sydney was and still is super gay friendly, but you still have to have some caution. Luckily, the worst would not happen, and by the time we got home, all that we had done was stumbled a few times and had to get up having face planted into the pavement. Once inside, a night of hot, wild passion ensued. At least I think it did. I don't really remember. (laughs) In fact, with hindsight, I'm not sure if sex was ever that great. But I wanted a boyfriend so badly that I hung on to the words of whomever had told me that sex wasn't important in a relationship. I mean, liar. Liar! You dirty, dirty liar! (laughs) Whoever that was. Mark and I were deeply and passionately mismatched in our relationship. He had little ambition for anything more than drink, drugs and someone else's money. And I was having a passionate affair with drink, sex and having no money at all. (laughs) On one particular night, he convinced me to try speed. Not a high moment, but this is the truth. And we were back at the Flinders having a great time. Mark and I were all over each other and dancing like Madonna's crew from Vogue, in our minds anyway, and drinking and drinking and drinking. I was having water, because I was new to this, and was rather worried having sat through so many of those drugs and alcohol-related videos that in the 80s just basically said, Danger, Will Robinson, and of course was having a bit of an ethical meltdown because of it. On the other hand, Mark was on the bourbon, and his camp and slightly scary flatmate Andy was there too, helping things along. Here's another bourbon and cock, darling, she would say as he shoved yet another drink in Mark's hand. I was beginning to wonder where the money was coming for these drinks when I realised that they were only buying Cokes and had a secret stash of alcohol they were adding. Despite every normal red flag going off, I was having a brilliant time and didn't even notice when Mark and Andy disappeared. 
Once I did, however, notice, I soon found them in the bathrooms, having more of what I assumed was speed. More was offered to me, but I was having fun as I was and declined, so the night could continue. At the ripe old hour of 2am, I had lost Mark again, and I knew Andy wasn't with him, as he was on the other side of the dance floor, rubbing up against a muscle man like a cat in heat. So, I started to look again. And again, I found Mark in the toilets. But this time, he was sitting there on the porcelain throne, hunched over, not looking well. It was not long before I realised he needed help, so off we trotted to the emergency room. Getting there was its own effort, as it was only a couple of blocks walk, but in between stopping while Mark insisted he was okay, then would throw up and cry that he was going to die, I was having to pick him up and carry him. And then, somehow, he managed to wet himself and me. So we weren't pretty by the time we arrived. Once there, though, the ER team looked him up and down, and Mark, with no fear at all, told them everything he'd been doing, and they decided he needed to be admitted overnight and rehydrated while he came down. I was a good, diligent boyfriend, sitting by his side, fidgeting, muttering that I was never going to go do this stupid shit again, and holding his hand as I occasionally burst into tears and asked him, Don't die, because I can't know who to call to tell, and I can't afford clothes for the funeral. <laughs> Eventually Mark seemed to sober up and insisted I go home and clean myself up and wait for him. I declined. He insisted. I declined again. And he insisted. So I declined a third time. And he once again insisted. So I figured, <laughs> three times is the charm, so off the fuck I should go. <laughs> once home, I realised that I was far from ready to slow down, so I took myself to the swimming pools. Yes, it's now 8am and I decide to look like one of those people, you know the ones, the upwardly mobile, painfully organised super people who have their shit together. I'm looking at a picture of my sister as I say this. Kiss kiss, I love you sister. <laughs> anyway, so I decide to become Wonder Adam and work off all this extra energy. Soon enough, I find myself in the pools doing length after length. I just kept going, imagining myself as an Olympic swimmer, you know, with those tiny little speedos, beautiful bodies, thinking everyone must think I'm some kind of machine. That was until I slammed into the end of the pool at full speed and the lifeguard had to come make me leave the pool because I was bleeding. No, this isn't that meet-cute moment. The lifeguard was no Baywatch stud. Think Hasselhoff these days, with that drunken half-eaten burger smeared across his face, saying to you with an Aussie accent, You okay, mate? You swimming like some kind of retarded hippo. (laughs) Taking that as a sign, I got changed and slunk off home, finally feeling it was time to sleep at 12 noon. But no sooner had my head hit the pillow when there was a loud as a shoe hit the pane of glass of my window on the second floor apartment. I got up quickly and hung my head out to find my boyfriend on the pavement yelling and crying. I can't believe you fucking left me in the hospital alone, you fucking loser. My red flags were flying, but I soon got him upstairs, showered and we went to bed to sleep the last of it off. And our relationship continued that way, really, all over the place, with highs and lows, until one day it was just over. I didn't really know why until my credit card got declined at a supermarket, and I had a wonderful circular conversation with the bank. Where's my money gone? You appear to have spent it all, sir. 
No, I haven't. There should be like at least $200 then. But you paid a telephone bill for $350, sir. But I don't have a telephone. Just a mobile. Someone must have stolen my car. Did you just say you had got it declined, sir? So you still have the card. They stole the numbers or something. But you still have the card, sir. And I don't have a telephone or a bill for $350. Oh, my God. It went on like that for a while until it was realised that my ex had stolen the card and paid the bill over the phone while I wasn't looking. And that is why he had disappeared. Thankfully, I did get the money back, though, after the bank did their eventual and slow fraud investigation, and I never did see him again. I did, however, see Andy again, who I was secretly pretty sure had encouraged the whole thing with stealing the card. So as that bitch rubbed its ass against another muscle man, who happened to be a friend of mine, I approached from the side without anybody noticing, got a hold of the top of her G-string, and yanked it up so hard that that nasty piece of work could hit a high note that could crack glass. And that was the end of Mark and Andy. Next week, I will be back with episode 4, with an episode whose contents I will give no hint of. But in the meantime, I will post a photo of me from those days. Just to be clear, though, my gorgeous female friend in that image is innocent and was not involved in this story. Though she was involved in many other acts of hijinks and remains a good friend to this day, she is indeed innocent of this one anyway. You'll be able to check out that picture at Where's My Nigerian Prince on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or if you've got some feedback, do please email me at where'smynigerianprince at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to check out the website as well. And in the meantime, don't forget, love yourself.